You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Thinking Basketball Podcast. Welcome back. You know what time it is. It's one of those very, very special preview episodes that only Dave Dufour can make so magical. Dave and I have a tradition of previewing anything that we can. Um, typically, it's like the regular season and the playoffs. We should just start previewing all kinds of stuff. That should be the podcast, just previews. Can we preview Dave- movies? Let's let's talk. What's a movie that's going to come out that you want to preview? The new Top Gun. No, I said that you want to preview. Are you going to watch that? Uh, I will probably watch that. I haven't. Have you watched seen coming. the first one? That movie I sucks. That movie. What's sucks. What's going on? What's going on? Top Gun's just not. It's not that good. It's it just, doesn't hold up. It was good when I was like seven. <laughs> Iron Eagle what's, holds up, buddy. What's happening? Iron Eagle Rest- holds up. We Top need Gun to restart doesn't. this podcast. No way! We've What's already been potting for 30 minutes and we didn't record it. No, Iron Eagle rules. Top Gun sucks. I won't, ha- I won't have this blasphemy. I won't, I won't stand for this. Dave Dufour, <laughs> the really NBA playoffs. Opinion. <laughs> the NBA, you, you, sound, you sound like Kyle Mann. Um, the NBA playoffs are, I don't know if they've already started. They started two weeks ago. The playoffs are now called the play-in. There's no play-out. There's a there could be a play-on. Um, the play-in games are still happening. There's a fun one tonight with the Lakers and the Warriors. So we'll we'll kind of feather in how we think the play-in will go as we talk about the shakedown of these series. Um, but you know, postseason basketball, some crowds coming back into the arena, putting a little electricity in the game. Are, let's let's just start. Are, is there anything you're really looking forward to in this upcoming tournament? Everything. Everything. I like it. It's so wide open. Listen, the only question mark right now for me is, are the Lakers healthy enough to just be the best team in the league? Right? That's the only question mark I have that could ruin the playoffs. Because <laughs> if the Lakers can roll through the playoffs and, and win the title – it won't be as fun as what we're looking at right now, which is uncertainty. Uncertainty rules in sports. It's amazing, and it's impossible to get. Wait a second. You think the Lakers at full health are just a, a tier above everyone else? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I. Wow. I do think so. Look, they got. Look at that defense, man. The defense is a, is incredible, even without LeBron and Anthony Davis. You know, they picked up Andre Drummond, and it was it's not been amazing. But that guy is going to eat on the glass. And I think the Lakers realized from last year's run how important that guy can be. They didn't have that. Look, the Lakers are going to be good. If LeBron is healthy, I think the Lakers are going to win the title. I mean, that, that sounds somehow that sounds more reasonable to me than – not that it's unreasonable, but I'm surprised that you think the Lakers, if they're healthy, have a team – that is just a class above everyone else. It's really interesting. No, they have two players that are a class above everyone else. That's the thing. Like, LeBron is the best player in the league still. 
And it's nuts to say that. I, I would argue that Steph Curry is and and Jokic are on the same level right now. What happens during the playoffs? Like we know what LeBron does in the playoffs. I, I just I refuse to not trust LeBron in the playoffs at this point. He's got Anthony Davis. It burns me every time I go against it. This is the year I finally have learned my lesson. You mean you've been picking against LeBron and and That's now you're true. gonna I pick I pick LeBron when I think LeBron is gonna win. <laughs> well, he's he's made what nine consecutive finals when he's been healthy. Is that mm-hmm. is that yeah. right? Um, but of course, it's still a team game, and of course, there's still luck. I mean, he was very close to not making at least one or two of those. So, okay. So in the West, it sounds like regardless of who the Lakers play, um, you know, they'll they'll probably more than likely play Phoenix by by winning the game tonight but you know let's say you're listening to this tomorrow and that doesn't happen and they play utah you like them if they're healthy in either series then i do yeah um let me flip the question do you think there's a a difficult matchup for the lakers either in the west or in the finals because i do okay well i think the clippers are tough for them that's the one for me oh i also think i think milwaukee would be tough for them drew holiday is a huge X factor in, in that potential series there in the finals, but I, I, not as much as the Clippers. I think the Clippers are the team in the West for sure that can knock them off. By the way, I also think the Warriors could beat them in this play-in game. I mean, Steph Curry is still going to play in this game, and you've got the potential for you know explosive scoring and and not a blowout. I think if the if the Warriors win, it'll be a closer game. If the Lakers win, it's a blowout. Yeah, I mean it's only one game, right. so. Um, it, it's easy for there to be some kind of upset. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, Golden State's also pretty good. Do you like That's the intrigue to me, which is that if Golden State wins tonight, and again, listening to this tomorrow, you'll, you'll know the actual matchup, so uh, one of these might sound silly. But if Golden State wins tonight, I think they match up pretty well with Phoenix. I think so Utah, I. Utah is a harder go. But if they win tonight... I think you could have the seven and the eight seed in the West beat the first and the second seed. And I mean, technically those are upsets, but I'm not even sure if I would really think of them as upsets at this point. Would anybody actually even be upset about it? There's another question. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. I think that we could see a, a seven and eight seed advance if the Warriors win. Um, you're right. The matchup with Phoenix is a, is a better one for them. DeAndre Ayton would be put into a very, very interesting position. And and he's grown a lot. I think yep. he's had an excellent season. But it's a whole other ball game when you got to guard Steph Curry. And you know that that's who they're going to attack. And, and with Utah, they're just better suited to – I actually think Utah would probably beat them in five, maybe six. But but they would be tough games. It's but Utah it's has a, a talent. It's a tough matchup for the Warriors. Uh, and, and since I think neither of us think the Warriors are going to – go really deep in this tournament and there's like five to seven teams that we can probably and will talk about that can go deep we should get the warriors stuff out of the way right now um <laughs> so I, we just t- stop talking about steph curry early in the pod so we don't talk about him for 40 minutes yeah yeah we should just get it out of the way uh here's here's my here's my golden state stat that i can't stop thinking about and again between Gobert in the paint and Royce O'Neal did an incredible job chasing Steph around and just uh, the sort of the scheme that they run with Quinn Schneider, I think will make things 
painful, if you will, even if Golden State wins a game or two. It's just a much tougher matchup against Utah. But otherwise, Golden State is actually playing like a really strong team without James Wiseman, since James Wiseman. Um, Some of that is cohesion and roles and finally coming together. And Steve Kerr, tell me what you think of this. Steve Kerr, to me, is having like the most Phil Jackson like season he's had in terms players of players secretly kind of hate him. <laughs> well, well, well he's, he's not, he, that's not true. I'm just making that up. He, he went with a system, right. That when it doesn't work, doesn't look optimal. And a lot of people said, well, why don't you simplify or change the system? And it's because you're essentially trying to create learning or growth. And that takes time. And what I'm seeing now in at the very end of the season is everyone understanding role and understanding the system. And so now you're starting to think and react on the fly and the ball's moving better. The cuts are more dynamic. The guys are engaged on defense as the crowds come back. And all of a sudden you're like, oh man, you know, as long as Jordan Poole and Juan Toscano Anderson and guys like that shoot well and continue to make good decisions and don't take anything off the table, this whole Curry, Draymond Green thing, like, it looks really good. They beat Utah and Phoenix in good games last week in, in back-to-back. I think it was back-to-back nights they played those games. And they just looked really good. Okay, so here's the stat. With Steph Curry and Draymond Green on the court this year and James Wiseman off the court. I'm not trying to single out Wiseman, by the way. It's just... He, he's a rookie he's, center. He sucks. He, he's a rookie center, and they were trying to develop him and play him over his head, and that's yeah. fine. But at this point now, we're at the table with the big boys, and his injury has kind of opened up this, hey, how competitive can we be kind of learning. Mm-hmm. So here's where we're at. Curry on, Green on, James Wiseman off. They've played about 1,300 minutes. Dave, what do you think their net rating is? 1,300 minutes. Uh, total? I don't know. Plus 200? <laughs> Uh, per 100 possessions, yes. Oh, per 100. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Plus 7? I think it's a good guess. They're plus 11.1. Wow. Plus 11.1. What do you think the offensive rating is? Oh, it's got to be 120. 122. I mean, Hell yes. Yes. Well, so. you know, in our preview podcast, <laughs> I laid out the, the path to success, and now that they're following it, look at what's happening. Look, all, all I got to say is, just listen to any preview we do and just follow our strategy advice. It's plain and simple. Steph Curry shooting the basketball, man. I, look, I understand it's some high-level technical basketball concept stuff. And, and for the novices listening, I know we, we are not illustrating enough uh, the detail involved in just putting the ball in Steph Curry's hands. I know it sounds so complicated, but good stuff happens. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of casuals like to tune into to my forty five minute rants about scaling on championship teams. Well, and casuals don't know that Steph Curry's good at basketball, so they might not know that if you put the ball in his hands and have him shoot twenty times, that good stuff ha- happens. Well, well, you keep saying twenty because I think in the preview pod we were talking about twenty threes per one hundred as a magic number, and we're starting to essentially see that. You know, we're seeing games here at the end of the season in this crazy month where he's shooting seventeen, eighteen. 22 threes a game you know dave's texting me how many times he hit 10 or more (laughs) like seven or something yeah i think he had eight or something um 
But I mean, it's not just that. That's the thing. It would be right. one thing if he had the really hot month, 37 points per game, 71% true shooting. I don't think we've ever seen a scoring month like that. And he's and he's increasing his three-point volume and getting more like it's weird to keep saying Steph Curry keeps getting more aggressive. Um, but that's essentially what's happening. It's true. And then if you found a way to cool him off or take him away like Utah the other night and the whole operation fizzled, that would be one thing. But what seems to be happening is the team around him and Steph himself and Draymond as an outlet valve and as is the true like on ball point guard creator of that team. Everything just gets tighter and cleaner. And so, okay, they go into Utah, and Utah's like, we're going to overload like crazy on him and send this bulldog, Royce O'Neal, around him all the time. And yet, you get wide open looks and you get the great looks you want, like on 80% of possessions. And as, for me, as I'm watching this, I'm just like, wow, this is incredible. This is probably never going to be a team. You're going to need Clay Thompson and more players to really compete at the highest level. But this is the goal at the beginning of the season when you're fumbling around at six and 11 and nothing works when you try to teach these guys, that's where I think it's very Phil Jackson because he used to love to do this early in seasons and put all the role players and bench players in these situations and let them learn. And there does legit seem to be learning for golden state. Now we're going to get to a playoffs and hopefully, you know, I think Utah's tough, but hopefully um, we see it come to some fruition. Well, here are some indicators for, for Golden State that I've been paying attention to. If you look at the last month, right, this is when everything has started to click for them. Not just Steph going off, but defensively as well. And by the way, this was the fifth best defense this year. So they can defend. Like We've They're, talked about the Knicks a shit ton this year and their defense, and we ignore the Warriors, and that defense is good. They can guard de- anybody. It's a defensively slanted roster. That's what makes everything I just said so fascinating because Looney is out there to defend. Green, playmaking aside, is out there as a phenomenal defender. His defense has been underrated. Andrew Wiggins, everyone who's followed this team knows he's had a really good defensive year. And you're not playing Kent Bazemore to do anything other than like try to defend his position and shoot threes and things like that. So... It, you're right. It is a competent defensive team. And when, when all their guys are clicking and they get it going, they're, they're a stronger kind of defense, definitely. All right. So the last month, they're the second best defense. This is 16 games. So this is a decent sample. This is the second best defense. And they're fifth in net rating. They're tied with the Sixers. So they are playing their best basketball of the season going into the point where it actually matters. This is what you want out of a basketball team. I mean, I think Milwaukee was a good example of this this year. You know, the the Giannis missing games with the knee issue aside, you saw they were experimenting all year. They were willing to lose games early. The offense was clunky. Remember that whole, like, two-week point uh, to start the season? I do. Where it was yeah. like, what's wrong with Giannis? And he's putting I up do. 28 points a game. But, you know, and then the guy shoots 81% in the restricted area for the season, and everyone's like, well, uh, he, he maybe is the MVP. So I, I just think that, yes, this is what good coaches do. But you don't have to make it this difficult. <laughs> it's not that hard. I mean, you have Steph Curry, so you have like this huge head start. Um, but it's working out. So wh- what am I to say? Hindsight's twenty twenty, and this looks like perfect vision to me. So let's segue to the Jazz and the Suns. Uh, I think people who maybe haven't followed them super closely might still think there's a, a bit of imposter syndrome. Um, and, and not for terrible reason in the sense that this is a year that – I've said many times the regular season probably has less relevant information than any other regular season we've ever had. But, I mean, 
hey, if you've checked those teams out, they're both good. Uh, they both do a lot of things well. They're both really well coached. Monty Williams probably going to win coach of the year. You and I in the past have talked about his X's and O's work and things like that. How do you feel about either of those teams? Do you think, let's put it this way, do you think either of them has a deep run in them? Can they win a series or two against the other contenders? I don't know. Uh, Phoenix, long, I worry. Long dramatic I, pause there. Well, it is so wide open that I have a lot of questions right now, right? Like, I don't know if playoff experience is going to matter because you've got Chris Paul. You know, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe he can settle, you know, when, when guys start to get a little bit out of sorts. Maybe he can settle them down enough. I, I don't know. I worry about it. Mo talks about this all the time. He calls them paper tigers because of the lack of playoff experience. I'm just not – I guess I'm not dogmatic about that. I don't know if experience actually matters, but all of our experience with this says that it does. But I don't know if it's true. And I don't know that it's not true until someone does it. So maybe Phoenix will just roll through the playoffs with no experience. That would be amazing for me because then we could stop leaning on that as like a crutch in analysis. It's easier for me to say, well, they don't have playoff experience, so I don't expect much. But the truth is, I don't know, sometimes that pops up. Does that make any sense? I just talked in a circle about how I don't trust them, but I want to. Well, I, I think because I want I, I want to trust them. They they are a well built team. They have every position covered. The only thing I worry about is like in a in a matchup against the Lakers, you know, who who do they put on Anthony Davis? That that's a concern. In a matchup against the Clippers, we know who you know, we know Mikhail Bridges is gonna guard Kawhi or Paul George. Well, who's gonna guard the other guy? Is it gonna be Cam Johnson? You know, what Jay Crowder? I, I just don't you know, that's a concern. So the experience thing is what I'm bouncing around in my head. I We have had a couple teams. The 15 Warriors kind of broke through quickly. The 08 Celtics, when they came together, you know, the, the last decade and change, there's sort of been this idea of like, you have to go through step-by-step gauntlets before you can get to the title. And I'm not sure that's really that true. Uh, I think the experience thing is probably more like when you have a series that you just described against one of the contenders, does one of your guys struggle to stay on the court or does his value erode at that level because it's like, hey, the things that make him successful night to night in the regular season, he can't do that in a seven-game series when his only opponents he's got to worry about are Kawhi Leonard and Paul George or Kawhi Leonard plus Paul George plus help protection against, I don't know, really like one of the best shooting teams we've ever seen in the Clippers, for example. Like That's the kind of thing that I would worry about when it comes to quote-unquote experience, uh, do you have players on your roster that are going to struggle at the very highest level? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how I think about it. Well, and then again, back to DeAndre Ayton, that's a real thing. Playoff center defense is so totally different. Yeah, especially if you know, especially if you're used to playing drop, right? We've we've seen this happen um, in the last few postseasons where the drop coverage is in vogue, and it and it works night to night, and then you get in the playoffs, and you get these guys that are just pull up assassins. Teams attack it, and if you don't have something else of value that you can go to while you're on the floor, how do you respond to you know some of those kind of um, different attacks that you're seeing out there? Yeah. And so I do think that there are legitimate concerns. I haven't seen anything out of Phoenix that makes me think that they can't get to the conference finals. 
right? There's, there's no big glaring problem. A lot of this is me, you know, just taking guesses uh, as to how they're going to respond when they get there. Um, but if they play the Warriors, man, I could I could see the Warriors winning that series in six. Yeah, I could too. That, that's kind of how I feel about it. That's um, why this year's playoffs rule. <laughs> Dave, let me ask you another question. Um, how do you like Hawthorne products? I actually really do love their stuff. <laughs> I, I, you asked me this before we started recording. Right before Have we started recording. Of, yeah. You ever heard of Hawthorne? I was like, yeah, yeah, I just use their face lotion and their body wash. It's fantastic. Yes, so cool. Hawthorne is a sponsor of this show. And as Dave can tell you, they give you personalized sort of daily care routine that help you meet your needs. And you do it by go take. Did you take the quiz online? You go take a short quiz. I did. Yep. Yeah, And they ask you a bunch of questions about sort of your smell preferences and your skin and your hair. They like, I got to that question, how long is your hair? And I'm like, pandemic long? Is that, is, is that They didn't option? ask me that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Hawthorne really does make great stuff. It's fantastic. I, I, this is a personal endorsement. They, they really yes. do make good stuff. This is real. I just asked Dave right before we started recording if he's ever heard of them. This is all... Um, the, the scents are are not like overpowering the the deodorant is actually really nice uh i mean i i've used a lot of their stuff it's very very good do you have the mint and basil do you have that one the mint and basil oil do they no oh, they probably that's probably you, you, you probably have a much manlier so you probably have like cedar oak and whiskey chips or something i mean that's just in my office that's <laughs> Uh, with Hawthorne, you get free shipping on your order and returns. And if you don't like what you get, they will retailer. They'll, they'll try the quiz again um, based on your feedback and get you something you like. For my hardcore skin listeners, they're cruelty-free, never contain sulfate, silicone, parabens, aluminum, anything like that. So you go to Hawthorne, uh, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.com, Hawthorne.com, uh, put in the promo code thinking basketball and you will get 10% off that's the promo code thinking basketball for 10% off hawthorne.com check it out today all right dave back to basketball where were we as you as you rub your wonderfully shiny head yeah i was um, thinking i was thinking, trying to remember what we were just talking about uh the, the suns we we can we're talking about we, the playoffs <laughs> suns and jazz yeah yeah look the jazz i think the jazz it, when you look at all their indicators from the season you look at how they played that's a team that could win the championship. They have all of the markers of a championship team. When you look statistically, I mean, they, they were very good against the other contenders. The three-point shooting is absolutely absurd. And, and it's scary. there's certainly concerns about role player three-point shooting in the playoffs and, and the, the drop-off there. But when, the, when you look at the guys doing it for Utah, I mean, Mike Conley is not really a role player. You know, Boyan Bogdanovich yeah. is not a role player. Joe Ingles is not a role player. Like these are guys I expect them to perform in the playoffs. And, and their newfound identity of, you know, like getting up in transition and trying to get the ball in the air in transition, like trying to get those threes up makes them dangerous. They throw these haymakers early, man. I've seen every jazz game this year. Whoa. Uh, well, Whoa, I do what? the I do the game notes podcast with Tony Jones, so I watch every jazz game. Seventy two jazz games. It's too much, but I you know this, this is the job, and I mean the jazz are better than what I think the average yeah. jazz watcher has seen. Yeah, like the person um, that's seen Utah five times this year 
and most likely has seen him twice against Phoenix, who has eaten him alive in the mid-range, has not actually seen the Utah Jazz. So here's my question about the Jazz, and since you've seen them 72 times, you're the perfect person to answer, maybe. Who do you think presents the worst matchup for them? Who are they vulnerable against based on... You know, not just the defense, because their defense is always successful, but maybe not quite as good as it is in the regular season around Gobert. And the offense, I mean, their offense has been incredibly successful this year, but it's also, I don't want to, I don't want to call it basic by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's a consistently, um, you know, what, how would you describe it? Shooters all around, some spread pick and Four roll round action. one with some spread pick and roll, right? Yeah, like, yeah that's what yeah. it feels like. Yeah. The, here's the thing, though. Uh, I've, I've actually talked about this a little bit because you actually have four pretty good ball handlers and playmakers out there with Gobert. Boyan can get it done. We know what Joe Ingles can do. He can actually run your offense and then Conley and Donovan Mitchell. That's the difference, right? So they are able to slip into those side pick and rolls out of a pass to the corner. And Gobert is excellent at not only getting out to set those screens on the perimeter, but flipping them. I mean, you know, Donovan Mitchell yep. rejects half the screens or whatever that he gets. Uh, Gobert doesn't get enough credit for the skill that he has offensively. I know he, he he's got he awful hands that, you know, he can't catch the ball. That's the whole thing about him. But when you look at his feet, you look at how hard he rolls, look at how he uses his hips when he rolls. Like, he gets a good seal on the defender and gets... A, is very good about getting the sneaky little push off when he's heading down toward the basket. And it's just these little things that he does to create advantages that have actually like he's gotten better at this over the years. And but, it's subtle. Right. But and he's this good. is this is why uh, he's so effective as an offensive rebounder, I think, just besides his height. When you roll hard and and seal and use your little off arm and all that, that puts you in position when you don't get the ball and when there's a shot coming downhill. And also, you know, he's he's not Draymond Green as a short roll passer, um, but he's learned over the years, hey, when I catch it on the short roll and I'm out near like the free throw line, I know where to look. I can hit that opposite corner. I can make the kick out, right? Uh, I think he doesn't get enough credit at all for all of those things he does on offense precisely because he doesn't take anything off the table. He's not asking you for 12 post-ups a game or two and a half. Um, and, and he's not like demanding any ocup- occupation of the ball the rest of the time. To your point, really quick and intuitive about screening sprints into the screens if he needs to flip it he flips it so yeah i, I agree gobert doesn't get that kind of credit the question still stands. he gets played off the court on, on the offensive end usually though that's the thing that people that people don't realize about the jazz in the playoffs it's not his defense that gets him off the court it's the offense and it's that they normally just don't score enough and, and you wind up having to get a, another shooter out there and and go smaller they're not gonna have to do that this year Boyan Bogdanovich is now playing the best basketball of his season because Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley were out and they needed him to do it. He's on a roll right now. If those guys come back healthy, I mean, Utah could easily win the title. Like this is this is why I'm so pumped for the playoffs. Like mm. I, I really do think everybody could win unless LeBron is 100. percent In which case, you know, LeBron's winning. How many how many caveats can you? feather into I mean, it's, it's an art at this point at yeah. least look i get look, one for every team you know um, it's my tradition to go around to various podcasts and give different finals matchups and winners but on this one 
I'm going to give you guys the real. Only you guys are getting the real. Thing. I thought you were going to just give us all of them in, in one podcast. Um, <laughs> well, Charlotte's so been eliminated, so my pick from yesterday did not did not work out. Wait a second. Who's the team that bothers Utah the most? That's what I still want to know. I think the Lakers definitely do. Okay. I mean, their their guards, the Lakers guards, are so good defensively that they are able to hang with with Utah in transition. They can limit the threes that Utah can get up. Like the Lakers have been excellent at running teams off the line all year. And then having Anthony Davis back and LeBron back, like now you got two excellent backline helpers. So when you're running guys off the three-point line, you've got someone to funnel them into. The Lakers are just really, really good at defense, no matter who's out there. And I think when you can do that and then have LeBron and Anthony Davis, like that's just it's hard for everybody, but especially for Utah, because the stuff that they're so good at, the Lakers are good at limiting. Do you expect AD to kind of have a have a sleeping giant moment like awaken here in the playoffs or uh, i mean he did that, it last year well he he did it last year but he also was was just better and more consistent and healthier throughout the entire regular season you know his shot was better in the postseason but everything on both ends was was kind of looked looking like ad going into the going into the shutdown when we when we took the break yeah. before the bubble um when the bubble restarted there were some questions and then Boom! You know he presses the button and kicks it into gear. And I, I've heard people have sort of differing opinions on this, where Davis is either struggling with his health and he's not quite there, and you obviously can't rely on him just catching fire from mid range and outside. Like in the bubble, his outside shooting was an aberration. Um, I've obviously been higher on Davis than most people around, but one of the things I've said is his outside shooting typically is passable it's good enough it, it gives him some flexibility when he's shooting like he did last year in the bubble when he's 30 whatever it is he's like oh he's Kevin 30s. Durant it, it, it's not fair right um that aside the shooting aside are you I mean we've, you've mentioned LeBron being healthy a bunch of times but are you expecting AD to come in and kind of crush it again and be a, a defensive difference maker in these series and things like that or are you a little more um hesitant about where you see him right now I don't think the Lakers will look as dominant in this run for sure, because I don't think Anthony Davis is right. Um, he looks okay physically. And, and we've seen him have some moments where it's like, Oh, okay, there it is. There it is. But we, we need to see it a couple games in a row. I think where it's just consistent, you know, because guys coming back from injury, you can get the one off like great game. Can he do it? You know, four nights or four games in a row, I guess not four nights in a row, but four games in a row. Uh, five games in a row and, and keep the consistency that we're used to out of him. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we won't know that until we see it. Now, of course, he's probably going to shoot 12 for 12 against the Warriors in, in this game and make us look like idiots. But um, the, the, that's been the hardest thing to, to kind of gauge here is LeBron and Anthony Davis's health. You know, LeBron leads that game the other night with the ankle thing, and he's sitting on the bench laughing. And all I can think is, oh, my God, you just made my my job harder because I can't just say LeBron's going to win the title. Hmm. I'm still saying I mean, it. but You are still saying it, right? Yeah, yeah, so I'm still going to say it. Yeah, it, it does gonna... make your job um, not If Jamal Murray was healthy, the Nuggets were my pick. I mean, I thought the Nuggets <sighs> were the best team in basketball when he went down, and they were only getting better. Aaron Gordon mm. was being, you know, was going to be an awesome addition. You were going to, like— he has been, yes, but I mean with you know with Jamal Murray, and then you get the star turn from Michael Porter Jr., where he literally, I mean, 
we're going to have people that there's going to be a huge piece by someone is Michael Porter Jr. The new number two to Nikola Jokic. Like that's coming before Jamal Murray comes back and there's going to be a huge thing. And that's how good Michael Porter Jr. Was, I mean, his shooting this season has been nuts. So the nuggets were going to be my pick, whether the Lakers were healthy or not until Jamal went down. So it sounds like, uh, we both like, boy, this is tricky. I think, Injuries have killed this. <laughs> I, I, no, 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 no. I, I'm I'm going to move on to the the three six four five series now. But I was okay. gonna I was gonna put to bed those those playing game series. But it's like, do either of us like Phoenix to come out of? Because if they play the Lakers, I assume we're both picking the Lakers. <sighs> Man, I think it, I'm picking the. I think I'm picking Phoenix to lose no matter what. And so hate, you can't. I hate that because they've been so great this year. They've been really and good. It, and there's we, not we, like, we said top four in the preview. We said Phoenix top four. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm really like Dave's I, covering I'm, his I'm take, eyes. I'm, he has his I know, hands it's so hard. He has his this face is, in his hands in consternation. The I've been trying to explain out of the how eyes. excited I am for these playoffs. And it's not fake. Like this is I don't fake it. Right? Like I'm either excited or I'm not. And I think that that comes across when I'm when I'm podcasting. I'm actually really excited about the playoffs because I don't know what's going to happen and it's stressing me out a little bit, but in a fun way. Because Phoenix could win against anybody, but they could lose to the Warriors very easily. And and then, of course, you know, the Lakers. All right, I got one. Do, do you think home court matters? Yes, I do, actually. I think it matters so much right now, especially because I think these guys still can't leave their hotel rooms. Would you rather be hanging out at your house for four out of seven games, I would. See, okay, conditioning is an issue, right? Conditioning is an issue. If you're Utah, you want people coming to Utah. If you're Denver, right. you want people coming to Denver. Yep. Like this, this, this is the year that home court advantage should matter more than any other year. So here's my thing on home court advantage. I think you. Well, I, I think I'm. Pr- I'm pretty sure I know. You cannot simulate the social effects of a crowd. You cannot simulate it. And I think this manifests itself way more on one end of the court. And that end of the court is defense. Right. And the energy that a crowd can give you. So even in these games where it's 6,000, 8,000 people in the arena, there's an electricity. I'm just going back to Golden State when they started to get fans at the end of the year and they played some of these big games against top teams. Like it had that, whoa, this is the 10th or 12th straight possession where they're flying around on defense. That's hard to do in an empty gym all year. Well, this is stuff that we talked about on Nerder a lot to start the season because we noticed it in the bubble. Internal team momentum. Basically, like, what is what is the team attitude like? Are you generating excitement from your bench? And when you look at the defenses, you like the top five defenses in the league, the Lakers, they have a great bench. Like, their bench is very active and involved. This is one of those things, like, LeBron was great about, I mean, has been great about in his career. Is I, I think that he's always had guys on the bench who are engaged. And they're getting, like, their defense gets energy from that. The Sixers, same. Utah, same. Knicks, same. Warriors, same. Like, the, the teams that have these energetic benches, and I don't mean coming off the bench to play. I mean energetic on the bench. Cheering. cheering. Yeah. Like that has up, been involved in the game. That has been fascinating to watch this year, and it's something we've paid a ton of attention to. And the teams that have had this momentum, and it comes and goes, but the teams that have had it have just done well, uh, better defensively. And it's part of why the Lakers have been so awesome. Yeah, Vogel is a great defensive coach, and they've got some really... 
Alex Caruso is going to just stay underrated as a defender, even though forever probably. Yeah, he, he was. I think he was sixth on my guards list for All NBA defense. Um, KCP is awesome. Like Kuzma is great. They they just have done so well. But I great. I will tell wow. you, hey, he's been great, great. defensively. He's been great. Wow. I, I can't believe it. Um, but the Lakers get so much energy from their own bench. But now that we're starting to get fans back in the arenas. You know, See, I think, I, is that even important anymore? Well, I no, I think that's going to help. Well, the fans the, are great. No, no, but I mean the bench itself. Like, are the Lakers going to get? Will the fans give as much to the Lakers as the as the bench did? Because the bench did an awesome job. No, I think what I'm saying is that will help all the other teams that haven't had that. So, oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, there's that. So the, that advantage the, is gone. <laughs> the Knicks' advantage is smaller. The Lakers' yeah. advantage is smaller. Right. That that's what I think is going to happen, and that's why home court to me is so fascinating because. Um, a, you know, you're going to get some officiating effect probably that we know that we've seen, hey, when there's no fans there and uh, maybe home court is really small because it doesn't influence officials. And that's another thing you can't simulate. Like if you're a human being calling a game, you can try all you want to eliminate biases, to be objective, to get the right sight lines, to be in the right position, to have the right mechanics that these officials try to practice all the time. But when you got like 87 people yelling in your ear from three feet away, it can influence your senses basically so i i am fascinated to see how home court plays and we got on this tangent because it's like phoenix is going to have home court for two rounds both this round and if they win the next round um and yet and we both think they're good <laughs> i could talk myself into phoenix winning a title and that's that's the part that makes it hurt so bad because i i mean chris uh chris paul and and devin booker have just that duo in the playoffs is they could eat. Like they could just dominate. I yeah, I can't go that far. That's that's They really could. I mean, they they could legitimately average 50 55 points together in the playoffs. I don't I don't think CP3 has that in them anymore. It's too long. It's too long. I cannot believe you're doubting the point god like that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I know. I know. What have you done to me, Dave? I didn't um, do this. <laughs> <laughs> offensive rating Around the league, so this is related to home court, it's related to crowds, it's related to defense. Offensive rating around the league, month by month, I've been tracking this for a while. I never know what to do with it. I thought I was going to do a video on it. Let's just talk about it right here today, since we are so into this I always preview. love when you drop uh, this, this. I've been working on this thing for a li- really here long time, and you don't know anything about it. Let's talk about it. I'm, I'm pumped for that. This is my Here favorite. we go. So, 30 months ago in the nba calendar so that's not two and a half years that's about five uh-huh. and a half years in other words yeah, it's like talking about a child <laughs> in other words um you know five months ago is the beginning of the season but six months ago is the end of the previous season and so on and so forth so each season has about five months you can look at if you go back to 2016 the first month of that season which is november of 2015 the league-wide offensive rating was 104.3 <sighs> It gets up to 110 for the first time at the end of 2017 in a single month. Um, We cross 111 in 2019 in a single month. And in 2020 last year, as we ended the season, we went 112.4, 112.7, and then the games in the bubble were 112.9. That 112.9 is the highest month I've ever seen. I do believe unofficially the highest month ever recorded in NBA history. And then we get to this year, 2021, Dave. 
And let me give you the offensive rating by month because I think a lot of people know the league-wide offensive ratings around 112 now. Here's what it's been by month. 11.5, 113.8, 113.1, 113.1, and in May, it's a shortened month, but there's still plenty of games. In May of 2021, Dave Dufour, the league average offensive rating around the NBA was 114.2. It's gone up almost 10 full points since the beginning of that crazy 2016 season with the Warriors and Curry and all that. So, I mean, we haven't had fans for a lot of those months that I just ticked off. Playoffs typically have better teams, better defenses. The average numbers go down. I'm wondering what the heck happens to some of these teams. I'm wondering what happens to the Nuggets offense to what we just said, the Warriors 122 offensive rating to Brooklyn. If we ever going to, I mean, God, this is going to be the longest pot ever. Um, we haven't even gotten <laughs> oh, out of the West. Sure. Or, yeah. yeah. We're going like, forever. Like what happens to those offenses if they're brought back down to earth or the crazy part is what if them is resilient? What if the rest of the league kind of comes back down to earth and Brooklyn's like, nah, we're still going to score 122 points per 100. Well, if that happens, Brooklyn's going to win a title. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing about Brooklyn that makes them so formidable, you know, is the fact that they have three guys that can just do whatever you need and nobody else does. <laughs> it's to me, it's almost the resiliency of that offense that uh-huh. makes it so dangerous versus it's a it's a perfect synergistic machine that just reaches this these heights. It's like, no, if we actually um, pare back everything and defense is there again and these numbers are a little lower, but Brooklyn's still at like 120 or 180. Like think about playing Philadelphia, right, or playing the Lakers. You do well if you're outscoring what they typically allow in the regular season, but you, of course, have to outscore their offense as well. So you're 114, you're 115, you're 113, you're doing pretty well. But if you're if you're a team like Brooklyn and you play Philadelphia, you play the Bucks. well, hold on, let me, let me save the Bucks. If you play uh-huh. Philadelphia and you're up at like 118, 120, um, as you said, you're, you're probably winning that series and winning a title. Yeah. I mean, plain and simple. The, I, I think that the teams that have performed well, if they can continue that, I mean, this isn't a hot take, if, the, if they can continue to do what worked for them all year, and Brooklyn uh, definitely should be able to. They are the one team that I know for sure their offense works in the playoffs. Like, that thing is – they are going to score. Can they stop anybody? And, and, and we're not there yet. I'm assuming that's going to be your question mark too. Oh, um, I Scoring we'll, we'll, is going to matter. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Let's let's kind of right. um, so the wait, make our way through the Clippers West. Or Nuggets, Nug- Nuggets wait, and Blazers. Nuggets, Nuggets Blazers. and Blazers. Um, I still kind of, assuming they have some guards that can play around Jokic, like Monty Morris can play and Will Barton can play. Just play the huge lineup. Just, I mean, they, they ran a lineup that was like Gordon, MPJ, Millsap, Jokic, and Monte Morris. Just start that and, uh, you know, sweep but, every series. No, no. The issue for me is that they need they need players who can play off Jokic. When you get to utility players that can't cut, um, as good as Jokic is, you lose too much of the advantage that like even PJ Dozier, right, who's who's now getting minutes and playing well, like yeah. PJ Dozier's fine. Monty Morris is fine. Will Barton's fine. When you just run out of players and like your only guard left is Compazzo, that's, that's what, yeah, that's the issue. So I think I actually still like Denver in that series. Um, 
as long as their guards are healthy. Is there any update on Will Barton? I'm actually trying to look like live right now, but um, I mean, we've got a few days before they're playing, and I'm expecting him to play, but I don't know if they've said anything publicly. What? Will you look that up? What's the the Clippers and the Mavs? I actually think this will be an easier series for the Clippers than it was in the bubble last year. I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think everyone is is putting way too much stock in a weird series and not adding the context of what that Clippers team dealt with, not just like in the bubble, because we know that none of their guys were really ready to go, but just think about their entire season. They just didn't get games together. They didn't build chemistry at all. I don't think Doc was really doing a great job of coaching them up. Ty Lue's done a much better job this year. Everybody is healthy, clicking at the right time. Ibaka is a question mark to me right now from a health perspective, but from a schematic perspective, Ibaka is the one piece they were missing. And then they got Rondo, which I know we all make the jokes about Rondo, but he's been legitimately good for them, just like he was legitimately good for the Lakers. And so everyone has been overlooking the Clippers. We actually talked about it on Nerder. Sleeping on the Clippers when this is the year that I think the Clippers are poised to actually be able to win the title. They're not a perfect team because there isn't one in the league right now. That's great. But they match up well with every single team. They have weaknesses. But I don't know that any other team in the West is set up to to actually exploit those weaknesses uh, as well as like Brooklyn would be able to. So... About a month ago, I, you know, another thing I didn't turn into a piece of content successfully, so we'll just drop it right here. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how on earth to compare healthy teams because normally, Dave, I have a method where I look at the games that the, the, the team was healthy and the, compare it to the games they missed and whatever. The problem is ev- when everybody's unhealthy, you can't look at the games where the Clippers are healthy without also adjusting for the opponents being healthy. And right. so there's just so little valuable data that what I ended up doing was I ended up taking this year's uh, adjusted plus minus numbers and then minute weighting them and saying like, okay, we know that that calculation at least cares about the opponents and the teammates that are on the court. So maybe we can get it because it's that's a decent way to estimate team quality. When I did this, you know who came out as the best team? The Clippers. The Clippers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, U- Utah was up there. Um, Phoenix, Denver, Philadelphia are the other teams that are in the top five using that method. But yeah, the the Clippers kind of jumped off the page in that sense because especially a month ago, no one was talking about them. I still don't think anyone's talking about them. An incredible three point shooting team. And then the role players fitting in really nicely. You mentioned Ibaka. Batum is another one. And I think Rondo uh, is a good fit for playing next to George and, and Leonard. And, of course, Paul George's shooting, I think, kind of is historically underrated at this point. It's just a fantastic shooter. Just- the Clippers had a 60% true shooting percentage for the season. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, we're not talking about them yeah. in the same vein as Brooklyn. Yeah, and um, you know they can they can actually score and defend and defend. Yeah, and Zubac, second- Zubac is another guy that like nobody will ever talk about, but I mean he actually is really good at the basket. He gives them the option to go double big if they want to play him and Ibaka, or they can play four four shooters around him, which they did a lot while yeah. Ibaka was out. So I mean they've just got so much lineup flex- flexibility, and man, they have a championship coach, which I, I know like I probably overrate. But I think in the playoffs, having a guy that knows how to coach in the playoffs is the biggest 
difference maker that is not something that happens on the court. Well, like your offense or whatever doesn't matter if you don't have a guy who knows how to make the adjustments. And Ty Lue showed in his time in Cleveland that from, I mean, quarter to quarter, much less half to half, his adjustments are excellent. I mean, he yeah. is just fantastic at that. He does some work. Um, you know, however you think of him, whether you love him or only think he's solid, like one thing you cannot say is that he's not willing to adjust. He makes adjustments. He does some work. Um, he gets in and tries different things with the X's and O's, or especially defensively, what we saw mm-hmm. throughout different playoff runs. So, you know, I, I'm not, I don't think Ty Lue is the greatest coach in the world, but I like, oh, he's a good I coach, like, though. He, I like him in that situation with this team and this year. To your point, if you want a guy who you can at least have some confidence in that as they go from series to series, he can use the weapons that the Clippers have built up nicely. So I like and, the Clip- and he brought all that the elbow actions that he used to run with LeBron in Cleveland, and they like Kawhi is absolutely mm. carving up defenses with passing out yeah. of that. So I I talked about this yesterday on on Game Theory with Sam Bassini. Um, we we also told a, a long story about you in las vegas you'll have to listen to that um <laughs> dave's it's about dave's perplexed being in, the, in, being in the basement of the gym yes it was about okay. being in the basement yeah. of the gym yeah um where was i what the heck was i talking about <laughs> the the i like the clippers in the first round and the crazy thing is i like the clippers in the second round and i think even if they're playing the lakers the one team if you go back to our our uh playoff preview last year the one team for the Lakers that really concerned me matchup wise was the Clippers whereas I thought the Lakers were kind of probably the best team but I that's a that's a tough matchup for them and this year the Clippers may just be a slightly better team especially with the health issues yeah 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 so I think they're better in some important ways but the the Lakers guard and wing defense is going to be overlooked by everyone I think it's it would be instrumental in this series. And if they could defend those guys the way that they've defended other teams all year, they can mitigate some of that shooting. So that kind of leaves... I mean, I think I like the Clippers coming out of the West is what I'm saying. Because if you look at the rest of the bracket, you're either going to get Denver, Portland. Um, technically, I mean, you could get Phoenix. You could get Golden State. Like, I just think you kind of run out of teams that I'm not going to pick the Clippers over. That's that's how I'm feeling, Dave. I can't disagree with you because I actually think every team in the West could win the tournament. <laughs> that's I mean, it's not completely true, but it is so wide open that I yeah, I mean I can Come see on, the, the Mavs. path for the Clippers. The Mavs can't win it. All right, so yeah, the Mavs yeah. are not gonna win it. And, and look, the people looking at last year's playoff series again, they are completely discounting what the Clippers team dealt with the entire time. Uh not that the Mavs weren't good in that series, and the Mavs could have won that series if Porzingis Hadn't gotten ejected, and if he had stayed healthy, they probably would win that series because the the Clippers just weren't there as a team. This year, it's a, co- a whole different thing. And, and I would argue you're not watching the Mavs enough if you're not picking the Clippers because the Mavs have not really been all that great. They've been hot or cold, and you know right away whether they're going to win or not. It's, it's pretty apparent usually in the first quarter. They come out sluggish. They, know, they don't normally fight back. It happens occasionally, but they're just not great at that. And so – Unless Porzingis is going to turn into the Porzingis he was in like, you know, January, February of 2020, where he was a top 15, top 20 guy for six weeks. I just don't think that the Mavericks have enough. I think we're ready to go to the East. 
which Hell is yeah. easier. It, it's easier, but the but the there's only three away, teams. But it's it's also so fun and crazy, Dave. Are you so, going to pick Miami over Milwaukee? Is that about? To oh no, I'm going in the okay, other okay. direction. Okay. I'm going in the other direction. I am going right to the Milwaukee Brooklyn second round. Let's let's yes. let's just let's cut Perfect. right through it. Yes. Okay. So in studying Brooklyn, I've been attempting to make a video on Brooklyn for like what feels like forever now because I I moved recently and you're you know just time just goes into light speed. And I, I don't know what at this point I don't know what video to make. I was going to be about their offense and, and the big three working together. And so, the point is, I'm watching this team on film over and over and over and over again. And as I'm watching them, I'm thinking, hmm, you know what would give them a lot of trouble? They Brooklyn likes to play Kevin Durant at center, and these super super small modern D'Antoni kind of crazy mad scientist lineups. And the thing I kept noticing is, it works in the sense that. If other teams don't have big post presences or other teams don't have bigger players that can penetrate into the paint, then you don't actually lose that much on the back line because the game is so spread out with the three-point shooting. If you've got four or five smalls that can rotate to the three-point shot or close out and run guys off the line, you don't lose too much with, you know, hey, James Harden's our rim protector or whatever ridiculousness it turns into. And credit to Jeff Green, who's who's kind of playing that Man, role. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's playing that role um, pr- pretty well, given given his the rest of his career at this point. So I'm watching all this, and I'm going, boy, if there were a team that had like a big physical athletic guy who's just huge and could get into the paint and lived in the paint and um, loved to get downhill and like you played five out uh, and then you let him attack from the top and he could also offensive rebound and he could be a lob threat and all that – Boy, I think that would really give Brooklyn problems. And I realized, of course, that I was describing the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. And Imagine was, if they actually did that, though. <laughs> well, they played twice at the end of the year. Did you catch these games? I did. I did. Yeah. And I think Giannis may average like 40 points a game. He should. It, it, it's crazy. And I'm not sure Brooklyn can stop Milwaukee. So go back to that conversation we had a few minutes ago where, um, you know, maybe you can't stop Brooklyn, but if Brooklyn can't stop the other team, now you're in a coin flip. And that's kind of what that series feels like to me. And almost maybe even I I think I like the Bucks in that series, Dave. I like the Bucks. I like the Bucks. I, I like. I think the Bucks can come out of the East. Like those top three teams are really really close. And what has actually made this kind of neat is that. Um, each one has different weaknesses that the other one can sort of exploit. When you think about Brooklyn, they wouldn't be able to guard Embiid, but I don't know that Philadelphia could hang with Brooklyn, right? Like scoring wise. And you look at Brooklyn and Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee can score with anybody. And I definitely think that they can defend anybody. And we've overlooked them all year because again, they tinkered and they're not as impressive as they have been. Um, and it's not as flashy, to to be honest with you. It's not James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving putting up what is a one seventeen net rating or whatever ridiculous number they had this year uh, as a team. You know, a one seventeen net rating would be that would be uh, not be net rating. Good. Sorry, <laughs> offensive rating. Yeah, um, but but Milwaukee is. I mean, they're just good at what they do. But is Giannis going to play the five enough? To be able to exploit and not just take advantage of here and there, but I mean exploit it. They got P.J. Tucker, and my hope was, okay, we got P.J. Tucker, so we're taking the choice out of your hands. You now have – I mean, they can run a lineup 
Holiday, yep. DiVincenzo, Middleton, PJ Tucker, and Giannis. Exactly. And that is five excellent defenders. And there's not even a slouch offensively. You know, PJ Tucker is good at what he does on the offensive end. That that should be their starting lineup and most played lineup for the playoffs. D- DDV is the X factor to me. He is. They, they that's four players that you know can roll in in the dogfights, and then DiVincenzo, who has talents as a defensive guard, of course, and can you know he's a decent shooter and can play, but. If he gets in one of those series and he's overwhelmed and you can't get that fifth spot on the court, you can't get that reliable guy in that lineup to knock down those shots, the the Trevor Ariza of the 09 championship run for the Lakers, you can't get that. It can be tough to round out those lineups sometimes. Not Because you wind up with Pat Connaughton. Then you got to go to Pat Connaughton. You got to hope Pat Connaughton. Does. You, it's just, it's the kind of thing where you need one of those guys, probably DiVincenzo himself, to step up and and make those shots and make those plays and and just kind of not be the dead weight that's holding down the rest of that unit. That's my only question with that unit. Whereas some of the other teams, um, I don't know if Brooklyn would even qualify here, but some of the other teams, you know, you're always going to have five good playoff players on the court. Yeah, I mean, Brooklyn has shown that it can defend a little bit in, in spots. Like I, I've seen them take their intensity up. And, of course, Claxton is good. And I think that a series against Milwaukee, that's a Claxton series. you got to have him out there. He's got to play. You would think. You would no, think, I mean, I'm never, telling you that if they no, want to win, but he you has never to know. I know. <laughs> Which is the craziest thing to say, right? Like, he's you, good. and But, man, you shouldn't be saying that about a guy who, you know, with his experience, right? Uh, but they, they need to play him. And, and I don't know that he's going to play enough. Blake has well, been great, but I'm sorry, man. Giannis is going to make Blake look like I don't a kindergartner at a basketball camp. <laughs> um, a kindergartner at a basketball camp. That that reminds me of today's other sponsor. Which <laughs> Dave, Dave, did you know ABC basketball camps are back, folks? No, it's not ABC basketball camps. It's, oh. it's Chronicle Books, and Chronicle Books has. I didn't know this. Did you know that Snoop Dogg has a cookbook? No. Yeah, it's from Crook to Cook. It's put out by okay. yeah. So Chronicle Books, you've you've probably all experienced them. Really cool, like high quality, high craftsmanship books. And and when you know you're setting up um, the relationship with the sponsor, they make recommendations and they they recommended. This is what really blew my mind, Dave. They they asked me. They were like, you know, all about the essential compendium of dad jokes, which is one of their their books. They said you should talk about this. The like I'm some sort of representative of dad jokes. Like I. <laughs> Like, in my career as a lumberjack, I've cut down 715 <laughs> trees. I know that because when I chop one down, I keep a log. Like, that's ridiculous. I would never chop down a tree. They're they're really great for gifts. Like, my wife loves Studio Ghibli films, and they have... Dave can't stop laughing as no, I... Um, the, the, log, the log got me. The log one got you? I yeah. almost logged out on that one. <laughs> my wife loves Studio Ghibli, and they have this, like incredible book of studio ghibli postcards really artistic um all all different uh animations from the films um they have like 55 star wars theme books they have a ton of books on dogs and cats and and cooking and things like that really cool lineups and for over 50 years they've been partnering with artists writers and organizations that represent diversity creativity and design forward products so um 
Chronicle Books. You can get them anywhere books are sold, but if you go to chroniclebooks.com, you'll get 20% off when you enter the promo code. Dave, what promo card are they going to enter? Thinking, thinking basketball. basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chroniclebooks.com, promo code Thinking Basketball. Really cool lineup of books. Check them out. And of course, when you support our sponsors, you help support this show. All right. Let's finish also, up. By this. the way, I'm on their website right now. There's a Dolly Parton song teller book that's like when you click bestsellers. Uh, I'm buying this. So right, right? now, yeah. with the promo code Thinking Basketball. How do you feel about Philadelphia? I mean, I like them. I liked them a lot in the in the preseason, in the preview. Um, I don't remember. Did I pick them coming out of the East? I want to say you did. I think I did. And I yeah, still think they can. Right? I, I like what Milwaukee has done, the changes that they've made. Um, but I also like what Philadelphia has done, which in large portion is, hey, they're running some more pick and roll. So they're getting Tobias Harris to be more aggressive, which is great. Uh, and Embiid is in shape and playing like an MVP and, and that matters a lot. Um, what they do defensively is, is obviously very apparent when, when Matisse Tybal and Ben Simmons yeah, ben are out Simmons there and a beat. Yeah. They, they can slide into the zone and, and you know, it's such a big zone that you still have to like, you actually have to shoot over it. Um, the middle is just impossible. They can do anything. I don't think they shoot enough threes. I think that's going to be a concern. They're going to run into math issues against a lot of these opponents. But they can defend against anybody. And so when you can do that, you've got a chance. But the the stuff I worry about is all on the offensive end. You know, is Steph Curry – or excuse me, is Seth Curry, Seth Curry yeah. going to continue to be the guy that he's been this year? I think so, probably. I, I think, so. think this is who he is. That's who he is. Yeah. Um, All-time leading three-point shooter in NBA history from the 23-foot, nine-inch line. There you go. Ty- yeah. Tyrese Maxey is coming on just like I thought he would right around now. Like, he's starting to get confident. And, you know, that's a big deal for them because they don't have a ton of guys that are like him. Um, and, and and then hold on. And, and last but not least, before before we get your rebuttal, they also have Danny Green. Okay? And oh, well, I know I got to sit back for this. I know that everyone thinks that, that this is just – it is a bit. It is a bit, 100% for sure. I'm making fun of people – who, um, you know, let's just say they're fanboys. Okay, I'm a Danny Green fanboy because it seems ridiculous. But the truth is the guy is really great at what he does. And what he's brought <laughs> to that team, I say they don't shoot enough threes. Well, Danny Green's not the problem with that. If if Danny Green wins another title, I three mean, straight. is he he's in with the three different fame. teams? If he, if he wins a third title, I think I'm going to start the <laughs> Hall of Fame campaign. Three okay. titles in in three years with three with different three teams. Different teams. Yeah. During a pandemic, like we're, if if everybody can get narrative points, so can Danny Green. Uh, Danny Green Hall of Fame. If they win the title, book it. I, I'm saying it right now. I'll start writing the speech. I I love mercenary basketball. I wish more guys just bounced around and. I won like it for baseball, from... but I don't like it for basketball. So like I loved Tony Graffinino. Like he was like one of my favorite players. I love utility guys, and those guys bounce around and. So, yeah, that's cool for baseball because there's 25 roster spots. I don't like it for basketball. I like to watch teams build together and struggle together and succeed together and, you know, then blow up. How many teams did Dave Winfield play for, Dave? Six. I know Padres, Jays, Yankees. I don't know. Six is the correct answer. That's so good. I used to be a real baseball guy. Yankees, Padres, Twins, Angels, one year in Cleveland, one year in Toronto. And he was in Toronto the year they won. No, he was there. Was that the year they won the title? 
I don't remember. I can't remember. Anyway. I was a kid. I mean, I was so young. Um, can the Hawks? Can the Hawks give Philadelphia a series? That's that's whoa, my whoa. big question. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on. No, whoa, whoa. That, no, whoa that's whoa. your big question. But that's you skipped. You skipped a lot to get there. I did not. Can the Hawks get past the Knicks? Well, maybe for you, that's a question. This, uh, hold on. Now, this is the thing, though, right? Because I know that the Hawks have like their offensive ceiling is really high. Um, their defense has been better than anybody would guess. Clint Capella has been awesome, but I don't know, man. The Knicks are uh, they're tough. Wow, you really like the Knicks that much? I I like the Knicks. I think the I, Knicks can can beat the Hawks. I don't think the Knicks can beat anybody else. I think the Hawks could easily beat the Knicks. Um, well, I also don't well, think the Hawks beat anybody else. DeAndre yeah, the, uh, DeAndre Hunter coming back is huge. The Knicks could beat the Hawks. I mean, I don't want to sound like this is a slam dunk. I just think the Knicks have overachieved um, some of what we were talking about earlier with defensive intensity, mm-hmm. Tibbs getting buy-in. It's awesome to watch. It's been a fun defensive kind of um, system or, or experience to watch. But it's also, to me, the exact kind of performance that's rife for overachievement in the right. Re- we shouldn't call it underachievement in the postseason because to me it's really just overachieving, getting everything you can in the regular season out of your team, which is great. And then you get to the playoffs and I think other people catch up with intensity, defense, scheme, things like that. And plus, you know, New York's guys, um, you know, what happens in a playoff series where they really need multiple people to score, put together good offensive possessions. I- I'm a little... I'm a little more hesitant about that actually going well. Their offense isn't that good anyway. Right? Sure. It's not like they're outscoring people really to, to success. Um, and then I just kind of like what Atlanta is doing. Yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've got a lot of good players. Nate McMillan. Or, Nate McMillan again, turned it yeah. around, man. Yeah. yeah. They, no, they, they've been really good since Nate McMillan took over. And... They have it goes back to the whole thing about DiVincenzo being the fifth good guy in a playoff series. Like Atlanta's still young and so they don't have that level. But when you watch them play, you're like, whoa, they have like seven, eight, nine guys that get in there and do something good. And you can switch the lineups around, you can go with Capella, you can go smaller. So yeah, I, I just I feel like that's one of my more confident series that I look at. Uh, which of course means the Knicks will probably win in four, um, but yeah, that's why that's why the bigger question to me is the Hawks, who seem more equipped to give one of the better teams kind of a run or a scare. Um, how much do you think they would be, actually be able to do that against Philadelphia, both in terms of matchup and in terms of skill? So this is where the math issues for Philly could pop up against a team like Atlanta, who can get hot. Um, I just don't expect them. To, maybe they take a game. You know they're NBA players and they're an NBA team and they're and they're a decent team. They could they could win a game. I think gentlemen sweep is probably what I would expect because I just have a lot of faith in Philadelphia to get past the easy teams. I mean, the Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philadelphia crapshoot could go any way, any way, any way whatsoever. Yeah, and 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 handicapping that is impossible to me right now. I need to see what things look like. I want to see. What Milwaukee does to Miami. Because Miami's secretly been sort of, uh, I don't know, trolling everyone all year. You know, Jimmy Butler hasn't played anybody. <laughs> they've, they've been, they've had the weirdest year to me in that every time I watch them or every time they're healthy, they look kind of fine. 
but then you see where okay this guy's injured or this isn't working or hero doesn't have this going or the, and and it's like that's why they're and plus last year they overachieved in the playoffs anyway so you're comparing it to this giant finals run as this championship level team versus like nah Miami's still they still look like like a 50 win team they're like you don't want to play them and then they're a pain in the butt to play in the playoffs because of their coaching because of their defense so but I think I think Milwaukee's too good I think Milwaukee's too good and I, I, I can see Milwaukee beating Brooklyn and losing to Philadelphia I can see if Brooklyn <laughs> if Brooklyn gets by Milwaukee I feel like at that point they're assuming they stay healthy their offense is good enough to just kind of outscore Philly even though Philly's got a good defense right just they're just going to have so much firepower. I don't know. I could see any of these three teams coming out of this this love triangle. Yeah, but I don't think Atlanta is going to is going to do much against any of them. Um, all right, fine. Who's all right? So so who who do you have? You have Milwaukee out of. The I game, think so. I like. I think I I think if I had to pick, I would pick Milwaukee over Brooklyn. And then the problem is Clippers, Bucks. I yeah no I like the, I like the Clippers. <laughs> No, but then the problem is Milwaukee, Philadelphia in the conference finals. That's not, I don't like that matchup that much for Milwaukee. Why? I don't love it. Is it the Embiid? It is the Embiid, yes. I feel like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like um, Embiid, Rudy Gobert, these huge guys that can drop off of Giannis and entice him to shoot. And, oh, don't get me started on Giannis shooting threes. I've never been on Giannis three bandwagon. Um, he needs to stop shooting jumpers, period. But, but, but Dave. Because he settles. Dave, he, sa- he took in the games against Brooklyn. I think it was a games against Brooklyn. It was some games recently, home and home or something. Yeah. He took 10 threes a game. He, he should take he one three or zero. Yeah. But like, that's the he thing. He hits so, a few early and then he just lets him fly. If if you're just if you're Giannis and you're just walking into those wide open threes, you let the defense win. That is a win for them every time. Every and time. this is why I think. I mean, you know, of course we can relitigate the whole Bogdan Bogdanovich thing. Like that's a guy that would be huge for them right now. But you have guys who can get stuff done, and I think getting the ball out of Giannis's hands is going to be part of the key for Milwaukee. And we've seen it getting him into the dunker spot. Getting four around one with him as the, as the five is going to be huge. I mean, he's just such a devastating screener and roll man that I, I just want to see more of that. And then you know he can do the other stuff after you get the defense on their heels. You just got to mix it up. But they have like they have PJ Tucker and Drew Holiday to go to war with this year. It it just it feels like it's going to be. A, and, and then they've been willing to experiment in the regular season. So it feels like it's going to be a slightly different dynamic, especially compared to the incredibly low nadir of the bubble last year with the, oh my God, the second round exit to Miami and Giannis injuring his ankle in the second game or whatever. Like, I just am not sure people are seeing that juxtaposition because to me, it to me, it seems like a pretty big juxtaposition where... Yeah, I I like I like what the Bucs are going to be able to put out on the court, but man, still that that Embiid that whole Embiid thing, and they have Danny Green, Dave. Look, Danny Green is a winner, and and I know you. It's hard to quantify it, but you can quantify it if you just look at what he does. Like, I mean, his statistics this year speak for themselves. He makes things happen, and and I think when you have guys like that, and 
They can defend anyone. Philadelphia can, just like Milwaukee. That's the series that I'm hoping for. I, I want that. I want that series more than I want Brooklyn Philly. I want Milwaukee Philly because I'd like to see Milwaukee make the finals. Like just just as a guy who watching the league, Giannis just signs that five year max to stay in Milwaukee. I would love to see them get to the finals. Yeah, boy, how would that change the narrative of the NBA these days? If Giannis not only stayed in the small market, never hit free agency, signs the extension, and then this team I've, I've alluded to David Robinson before. Um, it feels like people don't believe it in it anymore. So they're just Ever. selling the idea. They're just selling, right. It's like broken. And they're they just started, selling the idea and, of Giannis. And it was because they got beat, like, I mean, and, and you know, they were going to lose whether Giannis sprained his ankle or not. But we don't know what would have happened had Giannis not hurt his ankle. Like, he, maybe they come back. Um, it at least goes six or seven. I mean, like, it goes like a closer series. It's a closer series if he's out there. We, we haven't even mentioned Chris Middleton. I mean, I feel like people... Have done. It's like Giannis has gotten this treatment, and Chris Middleton has gotten this treatment. Um, I've had well, people, Middleton has never gotten any respect. Where people were like, "He's not a real number two. and then it's like, "Okay, so you haven't watched Milwaukee play basketball." <laughs> if they if they win a title, it's because Chris Middleton is able to hit those championship shots. That's he, their guy, and he looks like someone who's been making them for I think multiple postseasons at this point, right? Like. It, Ask, ask the Boston Celtics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's slightly unfair. He turns into Andrew Tony against the Celtics. Um, that was an 80s reference for people who don't know Andrew Tony. <laughs> um, the Boston Strangler. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I don't know. So that leaves me in my head with like this incredibly wide open tournament, which is amazing. Um, there are seems to be five or six legitimate teams that could win the championship. I'm not exactly sure what to make of that east triangle but i kind i think if i had to pick a team overall i i think i would like if i had to handicap it i think the clippers would be my my first team man i can't believe you're making me do this i don't know um i'm going with the lakers if lebron is healthy (laughs) it's just tough like this is this is actually and i told you this before we started recording I feel like so often when you and I talk like during the season, you're catching me when I'm like down on the NBA and I could not be higher on the NBA right now because it is kind of open. There are so many question marks and it is hard for me to pick any of these. Now, that being said, last year I thought it was going to be pretty easy and I missed like, I don't know, six of eight playoff series that I picked. You thought so, in, the, in the bubble? Or yeah, you yeah. Oh, I was bad in the bubble. Yeah, the was bubble was, come on. The bubble was all over the place. Yeah. So the, I don't the, believe in the Miami Heat. That's the only team I don't believe in. And yeah. it's not kind of the Suns, but only because of experience, which might actually be bullshit. So, so the Bucks played the 76ers um, a bunch of times. Like, but no Embiid really missed. Healthy. I was going to say, nobody was out there. Embiid missed, and I know Ben Simmons, Simmons missed. Simmons missed the, the one Simmons where Embiid played. One. Yeah, the one where Embiid played, Simmons missed the game. Um Embiid did play offensive ratings in that game, 125 to 118 for Milwaukee, who won the game by seven. They were way ahead. They were up by like 21 entering the fourth quarter. Giannis had 27 in the game, 10 of 18 from the free throw line, so 59% true shooting. But, I mean, if his free throw shooting was slightly better, it would have been a little better. I don't – did they ever like really play when the teams were healthy? I don't think they did. 
Yeah. That, and that's, again, that's the story of this season with so many of these teams when you're looking at the head-to-head stuff. And, uh, and Miami being the worst because they didn't play anybody against anybody. So, I'm, then I mean, then what again, if Miami so- sweeps Milwaukee and, you know, we just have to throw out everything? Miami's not going to sweep Milwaukee. <laughs> I know. Um, D- Dave, anything else? Anything Anything else that we haven't hit in the last one hour and however long we've been recording? I've got 117 on mine. So Yeah, that's um, about right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we haven't really talked about Jokic and his MVP season. That was something that we talked about coming in. We, we've talked about Jokic enough. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows at this point. You, you're, you're, are you picking Denver or Portland, by the way? I'm picking Denver. I'm picking Denver. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm. I I think Jokic has hit the point where I won't pick against him, uh, unless the the other team is just that much better, or there's a guy who I think is better on that team. So, um, Jokic is is he's at that point. So if for some reason again this is going to happen in a few hours, um, by the time you're listening to this, likely that the game will have been finished. If the Warriors win and go into the seven spot. And it's Warriors or Phoenix against Denver in the second round. Who, who are you picking in that series? Because <laughs> so Dave has once oh again God. collapsed into just he's almost fell out of his chair when I asked him that because it, it feels like the East Triangle all over again where you're like um, Golden State could win, but also Denver could win, but also Phoenix could win. Yeah, and then you have one um, of those teams in the conference final. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for this. I'm rooting for the Warriors to win tonight. So, so the am bracket. I. So the bracket gets all it's smashed cooler. up like this. Yeah, it's cooler that way. Yeah. And also, I want to see Steph Curry and Draymond going at Chris Paul in a playoff matchup. And and if we're really lucky, here's what happens: is that the Lakers then, as the eight seed, beat Utah, and we can <laughs> we can run Warriors Lakers in the conference finals. The play that the, that's the playing game. The playing game becomes the the same teams in the conference finals. That would that would be the greatest thing to ever happen in the NBA. I, I the greatest thing ever. Is there even a close second? I can't think of anything better. I mean, Michael Jordan existing. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, the first, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But um, so I think I think Denver can beat either Phoenix or Golden State with no problem. But also, both of those teams could totally beat Denver because of the guard issues. If, if I mean, if Monte Morris, Will Barton, and PJ Dozier are healthy, I'd pick Denver. But I just, you know, you need guards. It's, it, I know it's funny because we talk about positionless basketball, but yeah, you actually kind of need some of the smaller guys too. Man, I, I kind of like how Phoenix plays against God, the, the Murrayless Denver team. Um, if we've learned anything today, it's that anything can happen. In this year's playoffs, which is kind of exciting. Dave, thanks as always for stopping by and entertaining us with your endless sort of polygamous picks, if you will. Oh, Um, I'm the worst at making picks, man. I'm terrible. And so I pick everybody. (laughs) It's fun. Um, You know, I play devil's advocate with myself a lot on this because, you know, I try to think about all the different angles. I mean, this is how I saw Atlanta's season winding up where they are now because i said look you know this is going to be an interesting year they're really young maybe the condensed schedule doesn't hurt them as bad if everything breaks right and they don't deal with a lot of injuries hey they could be the fourth or fifth seed 
Of course, they also dealt with a bunch of injuries and wound up being good for different reasons. So I was totally wrong as to how they got there. But the only reason I got there in the first place is because I'm willing to argue against myself with every single team. It's exhausting. Is Tony Snell the greatest shooter of all time? I mean, there's there's a statistical argument now, isn't there? <laughs> 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 I when I when I saw like 50 50 100 is nuts that's 50, awesome I don't even understand it um 50 50 100 when I first saw Tony Snell's three-point shooting percent so he finished shooting 57 percent from three this year uh he only took 109 threes when I first saw his three-point line like halfway through the season I was like I'm sorry what what, how is Tony Snell shooting like 60% from three? I, I can't explain it. Obviously, small sample, but just one of the strangest the strangest shooting lines ever. He's He hasn't missed a free throw since 2019, <laughs> since two teams ago. <laughs> oh, we got to get we got to get him some more volume. Clearly. Yeah. That's 40, a guy that needs more volume. He took 11 free throws this year. To, to go 57% from three, 52% from the floor, and 100% from the free throw line. Dave, where can people I, hold on, find wait, your work? Let me ask you a controversial question before we go that I know you're going to hate to answer. Okay. Is Seth Curry now a better shooter than Steph Curry? <laughs> like in reality or like technically? Technically. No. There you go. Okay. That's all I need. I'm seeing it too much. I mean, I'm, he was at the beginning of the year. I'm pretty sure Seth still has the highest percentage ever from uh-huh. the full line like oh yeah yeah like you, you you have to take out the seasons where steve kerr and guys like that tim lagler were shooting like 50 50 from the from the uh, junior tees if you will well but, seth also only shoots five threes a game yeah that's come on that's nothing i want your <laughs> if we're talking about greatest shooters ever i want you up at 15 or 20 threes a you're game. beating yourself at that point Right, like if you shoot forty five percent from three and you only take five of them a game, and and a, and you're a Seth Curry, you're beating yourself. That, this is what I'm talking about with Philly. Watch the math problems with Philly. Man, Seth Curry in 2019 shot forty five percent from downtown, and in 2020 he shot forty five point two percent from downtown, and this year he saw, shot forty five percent from downtown. The man is a metronome. And he's leaving. Year. He's leaving money on the table. He's he's t- he's tight. He's tight conservative. Got to shoot he's not, threes. Yeah, he's not an aggressive player. Uh, Dave, now's the time. Where can people follow you, find your work, harass you about your picks? Things Around. Like I, everybody knows where I am. I, All right. I always feel awkward about that. I know. I know. It's we- let's I end don't the, know. Let's Self-promotion end the is weird, which I know sounds weird because we're in the self-promotion business. but I'll promote you. I'd rather sell tickets to something than just sell myself, if that makes sense. Well, can we can we tell people about Buy tickets? Your... <laughs> when is this coming out? Is this coming out today? I, I hope so. It's got to okay, cool. get off. The, well, if you I get gotta... it out in time, we're going to go live. I'll, I'll be live with Andrew Schlecht. Uh, and what I think we're going to have some special guests. We're going to do a pregame show. So ahead of 10 Eastern. And then we're going to do halftime and postgame for Warriors Lakers because it's such a big deal. Again, this is like. This is one of the biggest games the NBA's had in forever, and it's a single elimination-ish game. I'm fired up, so it's I'm a, going live. And it's a preview of the Western Conference Finals. Um, Western Conference Finals preview. <laughs> <laughs> once, 
<laughs> once again, once again, remember to check out uh, those sponsors. It's Chronicle Books dot com uh, promo code thinking basketball get you 20 percent. you can get chronicle books anywhere but if you go to chroniclebooks.com you get that 20 percent off with the thinking basketball code at checkout also check out hawthorne.com promo code thinking basketball and if you want to directly support this show head on over to patreon.com slash thinking basketball sign up there different tiers get you different access to additional content sneak previews of uh, videos that are put out things like that and also we have a live monthly q a and i think our our next live monthly q a is coming up this weekend or next weekend as usual i've completely lost track of time um otherwise huge thanks to dave for continuing our preview tradition i hope you've enjoyed this one thanks as always for listening all the way to the end and of course wherever you are out there in the world i hope you're having a great day